You're listening to episode 30 of the Rebel Buddhist Podcast, where we talk about why how you think about you matters way more than what anyone else thinks. Welcome to the Rebel Buddhist Podcast, where we explore how to use the science of psychology, Eastern spiritual practices like mindfulness and compassion, and the game-changing work of self-coaching so you can free your mind and free your life. I'm your host, Anna Verzoni. Hey, hey, crazy humans. Okay, so right before I recorded this, my daughter walked into my office and announced, 11 days to Hawaii, mom. I'm feeling homesick. And I'm like, what? We haven't even left yet. And she says, no, I'm sick of being home. <laughs> so she's so funny, but I have to admit I'm with her because I was walking to my car this morning and I fell on my ass, just, just walking from my front door to my car, you know, and I'm sort of over ice when I'm not on ice skates. You know what I'm saying? Right. So yes, 11 days until we move to Hawaii and we'll be splitting time between there and Alaska and our other travels, but I'm so excited to be warm y'all. Last time we were there, I closed all my rings on my Apple Watch without even exercising. And I was working full time while there too. So last episode was about should I stay or should I go? And I clearly chose go, <laughs> at least for winter, right? I learned, I learned how to be happy in winter in Alaska. We live by a really great trail to ski on. And I went sledding for the first time in my life when I moved to Alaska, which was a blast. Like I grew up in California. So sledding wasn't a thing for me as a kid, right? And I'm wanting instead to take that energy that I use to like just feel normal in the winter to use it for more creative endeavors, like creating awesome podcasts for you, right? So today I am sitting in deep gratitude for all the amazing things that are happening in my life right now. It doesn't even feel real. And we're in the middle of a pandemic, right? And so here I am in the healthcare system, dealing with so many frustrations and stress and anxiety, and also holding this deep gratitude for the blessings in my life right now. Now, I know I have a practice of looking for all those things, right? One of the first things I do when I wake up is a gratitude practice where I pick three new things I'm grateful for every day. But I'm also finding these things. And today I got my happy light in the mail and I used it. So maybe that has something to do with it. But I'm so grateful for my life right now. And that includes all the negative emotion too, right? All the negative things. I had a super depressing Thanksgiving, thinking about how a Thanksgiving date was the second to last time I spoke with my mom in 2017 before she died. And I still make peace with all of that as well. So I hope that amidst everything going on right now, that you're also able to feel gratitude for the entirety of your life. I am glad you are alive and here, it means we have another day. So today on the podcast, we're going to talk about how you see yourself, your self-image. And an important concept to understand is that self-image is totally subjective. 
It's totally up to you, your opinion about yourself. It is not factual. And another thing to remember is how much time we spend being concerned about what other people think of us, right? We spend way more time trying to control or manage what other people think instead of how we see ourselves. And of course, it's impossible to control how others think of us. But still, we worry about what we wear, our house, our car, how good we are at freaking Zoom homeschooling, right? And we do all this concerned about how we measure up in other people's minds, often without realizing that that's what we're doing. And I'll be honest and say that I still find myself doing this to this day, but at least now I can catch it early and shift gears. But before, like, wow, before I would choose what to wear based on what I thought my partner would like, like, oh, this isn't that comfortable, but he'll think I look so hot in this. I mean, yeah, like I, I was there and I'd choose a lecture topic based on how cool it would make me look to my peers, even if there was something less sexy that I wanted to talk about. Or I think of decorating my house in terms of how other people would feel when they walked in, not me. I didn't consider how would I feel when I walked in? How do I want to feel when I walk into my home? Even with this move to Hawaii, you know, I'd considered it for years Yet I always worried about the impact it would have on my husband and daughter. And I assumed a lot of things too, while I was busy worrying about what other people would think. And it turns out I was wrong about a lot of those things. Now, that's not saying I shouldn't have considered them. Of course, they're my family, right? But what was interesting is for a long time, I didn't think that my wanting it was good enough. So when considering them, I didn't factor in how much I wanted something as a valid reason. I mean, the idea that my wanting something was valid in and of itself without needing any other rationale was mind-blowing. Then it got me started on this whole new kick of like, well, what do I want, right? And I realized like for so long, I didn't stop to think about what I wanted. I would, you know, I dream and I've had my goals and everything, but like there was a deeper level at which I was like, on my day-to-day decisions, what do you really want in this moment, in this decision, right? And I remember at one of my coach trainings, Brooke Castillo asked, if you lived on an island by yourself and you were the only one that saw your body, the only one that touched your body, looked at your body, experienced your body, What would you want most on that island for your body, for your experience? Whoa, right? So we start to think about what bothers us and why and what doesn't bother us that we think should bother us and what feels the best in our body and for our body. Accessing our own pure opinion, not tainted by others. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, I have done a lot of things that I want. I mean, you, you all know that about me by now. I have amazing adventures every year. I've had epic careers and educational experiences. If I want something, I go get it. But when I look deep enough for a lot of that, there was always some tainting with my wants also needing to be justified by how it would impact others. Like if I wanted to want something, I had to justify that it would impact others in a positive way noble wants, inspiring goals, right? It couldn't just be something that I desired. What my opinion was about my life 
and where I wanted to take it. So we can then turn that around onto ourselves and ask, how do we think about ourselves? Is it based on what other people might say about you or think about you? Are you a chronic people pleaser? And does all that really fit with how you really think and feel about yourself? Because I've spent decades doing this work on myself, right? Like the work that that we do in freedom school. And I've gotten to the place where I'm pretty strongly opinionated about who I am and my worthiness and my ability to be loved. And nowadays, you know, that is so strong that they overpower other people's opinions. And I've practiced them enough that they are strong. And even then, I still find that I don't automatically ask myself what I truly want when I make decisions. It's always balanced with thinking about others and doing what's best for them, which sounds really noble until you become a resentful bitch about it, right? (laughs) So these days, the most important other voices I consider are that of my husband and my kiddo, and I listen, but I've learned to not let it be the deciding factor. I am allowed to disappoint others to do something I want. I am allowed to inconvenience others because of something I want. I mean, say that, say that to yourself out loud. I am allowed to disappoint others to do something I want. I am allowed to inconvenience others because of something I want. I mean, if you're not used to this, that shit is revolutionary. Before, I would spend so much energy making sure that if I did something I wanted, that it didn't inconvenience someone else. If I wanted to do a wilderness quest, I'd be the one to organize all the babysitters, even if my husband wasn't working while I was gone, just so he could like have fun, right? (laughs) I'd buy all the groceries. I'd set reminders and make the charts and the schedules and write down instructions and have everything organized just so my husband didn't feel inconvenienced by my being gone. And if he remotely hinted that he didn't prefer it, I'd reschedule. Yeah, with his trips, I was okay with the last minute wilderness adventures and the scrambling for sitters and having to get groceries after work and then cooking and before putting her to bed while I was alone. I mean, that all seems really nice of me, right? But it was exhausting and I grew very bitter. It took a lot of energy, but I didn't inconvenience anyone. (laughs) So over time, right? Over time, we can form different opinions about ourselves. We can think differently about ourselves. We can learn about what we truly desire, what we want, who we think we are, and what we think of our inherent worth and lovability. Then you can release everybody else's opinions. And if they agree with yours or not, you can release it out into the ether. And you also recognize that your opinion about someone else is none of their business either. So you can just keep that to yourself. Look, the reality is we often do care so much about what other people think, right? We can even be obsessed about it. So here's a tricky thing you can do to get your brain to not reject the idea that you care about what other people think about you. Kind of flips it. All right. So first, think about if you could control what everyone's opinion of you would be, what would you want it to be? So in an ideal world, how would you want others to see you? So first, You can consider the concept of like others in a generalized way, like everyone out there. Like I used to want people to think I was witty, but I got over that real quick because it just was never going to (laughs) happen. So then I wanted people to think I was super smart. My intelligence had gotten me so far. It was like my safety net. So I wanted to make sure everyone thought about it, thought about me as smart. 
Then you can think about maybe what you want your colleagues at work to think about you. And what do you want your bestie to think about you? What do you want your kids to think about you? What do you want your parents to think about you? Your mom. Oh my gosh, what if we could change that, right? (laughs) Then I'd like you to ask yourself why you want them to think that about you. Like what I was saying earlier about wanting people to think I was smart, you know, it was because being smart got me so far in life. I felt it literally saved me. Like if I wasn't smart, I would have ended up homeless or never being able to move out of the violent neighborhood I grew up in. And I'd have to deal with drive-by shootings the rest of my life. But the ironic thing is I never felt smart because there was always someone smarter, someone like genius level, right? I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area where people were like inventing shit so you'd never have to die. So I didn't always feel so smart. Anyway, so we get in touch with the ideal ways we want the various people in our lives to think of us, right? So if you want, you can write it down if it helps, but not if you're driving. All right. So next, I want you to imagine that you have become the person who, quote unquote, deserves all of those good thoughts that other people have about you. You've accomplished what you need, right? to prove your worth. So it's like one of my best friends. He really felt he would be accomplished once he made at least $150,000 a year. Then it was going to be okay to have a family and relax a little. And for some of you, it's having a sweet nest egg, right? Um, For some of you, it's having a passport full of stamps and a bunch of Instagram posts that prove you're adventurous. For some of you, it's selling your chocolate company. For some of you, it's getting a book contract. For some of you, it's getting a PhD. Others, it's getting married and having kids. And others, it's pulling off a polyamorous relationship. So just let yourself go there, right? What have you accomplished to feel worthy? So the first thing we did is ask, what do you want other people to think about you? The next step was to discover what you think you need to accomplish in order to prove your worthiness. Now, I want to invite you to reflect on how you would think about yourself if you achieve those things. Like, how would the way you see yourself changed if you closed the book deal or bought the dream house, had the hot babe and the family, earned your PhD, made over 100000 right? How would you think about yourself and therefore how would you feel about yourself if you finally achieved your big goals? And what you have now... What now in front of you is a long list of thoughts that you want to have about yourself, a long list of how you want to see yourself. Ain't that the shit? Because that's really what this is all about, y'all, how you want to think about yourself. Now, some people will start to immediately think, oh, dang, here goes the life coach again, encouraging a whole generation of narcissistic people who think all about me, 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 right? But let's clarify the difference between having a really healthy self-perception and being narcissistic, because the difference is actually really marked. When you are a narcissist, you think you are better than others. You think highly of yourself and look down on other people. So if you're a narcissist and you're on a bragging spree, you're not celebrating you. You're saying, I'm better than you, right? There's an inherent sense of not being worthy and therefore needing to generate that worth at the expense of others. But when you have a positive self-image, when you have a healthy self-perception, you don't think I'm better. You think I'm worthy 
I was born 100% lovable. I am a miracle. And so are you. So you see, when you're in a healthy place, your sense of self-worth does not come from thinking you're better than someone else. It does not come from someone thinking you are better either. It comes from you doing you, you being you. I mean, you just being here, doing your thing. Narcissism requires you to love yourself only as it relates to you being better than others versus loving yourself so you can give to the world in a meaningful way. Do you know what I noticed once I started honoring my desires, my inherent worthiness to, as Marie Oliver says, to want what the soft animal of my body wants? The more I see myself in a healthy way, the more I have a positive self-image and honor my worthiness and inherent lovability, the more mojo I have to give back to the world. When I was scrambling to make sure everyone had good opinions about me or ensuring that I wasn't disappointing others, I was exhausted. I had hardly any energy left to be creative, to have joy in living in my zone of genius. Sure, I hung out with my family, but I was just going through the motions. I wasn't fully there. I was too busy being exhausted and worrying and feeling bitter. The more I love myself, the more I have to be truly present with others, to really love them. I create better programs. I write podcast episodes for people to listen to for free. I didn't have the bandwidth for that before. I even make more money because when I'm in alignment, things flow, right? So the totally crazy thing is when we give to ourselves, we have more to give and we are all worthy of this. No one is better than anyone else. We are all inherently worthy and lovable. We are all human and all are deserving of this. Thinking of yourself in a positive way allows you to know you are not perfect and that you don't need to be. All of us humans are perfectly imperfect. To desire or pretend otherwise is a losing battle. So how do we shift from a self-critical mindset to a healthier one, one that's more positive? We practice new thoughts. We need to override that older part of our brain that's fear-based, that primitive part, right? That's trying to protect us by shit-talking us so we never take any risks. We stop listening to those old tapes, the old recordings that are playing over and over, and we start to practice a new story, new thoughts, new ways of seeing ourselves. You could check out the episode I did on how to believe new things. That one has a lot of tips on this too. But your old story is in a neural groove, and it's used to taking that path in your brain. Literally, there's a path in your brain that that thought takes, and it's the path of least resistance at this point. And you need to start creating a new neural pathway if you want to change that. And you do that by choosing to think new thoughts over and over and not listening to the old stories. Just because they're loud persistent and reflexive doesn't mean they are true. It just means you've played those tapes a lot of times. So what new thoughts should you practice? You might be asking this. You already made the list earlier. It's all those thoughts that you wanted everyone else to think of you and how you'd think of yourself once you achieve those dreams of yours. And the kicker is you don't need to achieve those things before believing you are amazing. 
And in case you're getting the wrong idea, you don't need to brag about yourself all day. You know, I'm a fan of bragging, actually. We have a space for that in Freedom School because it's important to celebrate you. Everyone is amazing. So no need to announce it unless you want to. Then then go for it. And, you know, someone with a positive self-image is also going to be like, hey, and you got it going on too, girl, right? Okay, now I know that some of you may really struggle with feeling worthy. In fact, most of us do. Deep down, that's where a lot of our emotional suffering and our self-destructive habits stem from, not feeling worthy. But your worthiness is a fact. It's non-negotiable. We all have equal worth. You are worthy and lovable by design, not by decision. By being born as you right now, you are worthy. Jack Cornfield told us a story about how when the Dalai Lama first heard the word self-hatred, he was confused. He like asked his translator, like, what? Can you explain this? What exactly is this? And he said that self-hatred was a very dangerous attitude and that, you know, part of his Buddhist work was trying very hard to overcome their self-centered attitudes. And yeah, self-hatred is self-centered too, right? And he said the antidote to self-hatred was to understand that all people and all beings have Buddha nature. In other words, everyone inherently has the capacity to be a fully awakened being on their own without anything from the outside world. Everyone is capable of seeing the causes of suffering and happiness. Everyone has the innate capacity for ultimate compassion, empathy, and wisdom. And being born as a human at this time in this world, I mean, a freaking miracle. So you get to believe whatever you want about yourself without needing permission. Opinions are optional. They are not facts. So I get to believe that I'm super sexy, whether you think I am or not. I get to believe that I'm fit. Some people don't think I'm fit. I think I'm fit, especially when I'm running around the mountains in the Sierra or frolicking on a beach or something. (laughs) What's wild is when we believe positive things about ourselves, then we start to prove those things true. And when we think negative things about ourselves, we prove those things true too. And I think this is why visualization works so well in certain types of meditations, right? When we can see ourselves as Buddha, when we can really visualize our Buddha nature, our inherent capacity to awaken and fully embody compassion and wisdom, we can more easily start to think and feel and act in a more awakened way. I mean, people worry about thinking highly of yourself being like anti-spiritual, We all have Buddha nature. I mean, how much more highly can you think of yourself, right? And that's a spiritual teaching right there, that we all have that capacity to awaken fully. And it doesn't mean you're an asshole. It means the opposite. It means you know you are so amazing that we all are, that you can stop worrying about what other people think. You can relax. Instead, you can focus on how you can contribute to this amazing world. So... Just for this week, between now and when the next pod drops, try seeing your inherent amazingness. Try seeing yourself for the amazing being you are and see how you show up in the world, how you hold yourself differently, how you speak, what you do, how you feel. 
And I hope that you get to catch a glimpse of how you don't need to change a single thing about you. If you want to feel better about who you are and see yourself in a more positive light, all you have to do is change how you think about you. If you like what you heard, please spread the love and share it. And if you know you need some help with this and want to learn more about how to free your mind and free your life, go to rebelbuddhist.com and grab my free Rebel Buddhist Toolkit, where you'll receive a video training on cultivating resilience, access to the private Rebel Buddhist group where I do weekly live sessions on topics just like this, and a copy of the gorgeous Rebel Buddhist Manifesto, and more for free. That's rebelbuddhist.com.